They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarasha. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. I say this all the time. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking with Tarashuk podcast. I am here in my office. It's the first time doing a podcast from this office because your boy moved two blocks down the road to a brand new office studio. I got soundproof a little bit, but hey, I'm still moving in. My name is Will Tarashuk. I'm no longer in that chair, the comfy chair in the living room. I'm in a comfy chair in my office. T.S. Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. And today I am speaking to a man, a veteran, a Marine by the name of Travis. I did not ask for the pronunciation of his last name, so he can correct me on the spot. Travis is a Marine author and podcaster based out of Massachusetts, my neck of the woods. Uh, while in the military, he was a radar slash missile operator for the Hawk Missile Systems. So we're going to get a lot into that because I don't know what that is, but I'm sure as hell curious. Once he got out of the military, he joined the Marine Corps League, which is an organization dedicated to supporting military veterans. He's also the host of Oscar Mike Radio, which is a phenomenal name. So we're going to get into that as well. Uh, the benefits it brings and his time and his service to our great country. Travis, is an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your service. And my friend, welcome to the podcast. How are you? How are you doing, sir? Savage, as I say, Will, I want to thank you for having me on, and I really appreciate getting the opportunity to come and talk with you. Absolutely. So I'm very glad Keith, Keith Hayes. So Keith Hayes um, introduced us. He was a guest on my other podcast, um, the Four Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, a little over a year ago, and he matched me out of the blue. He said, hey, love what you're doing. You got to talk to Travis. So uh, Travis, first off, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Part Partington? It's Partington. Partington. Yeah, it's three still. I should have trusted my instincts on that one. Well, a lot of people get it wrong, believe it or not. Well, so same with Tarashuk. I've heard everything under the sun. But let, me, <laughs> let me ask you first. So when people say thank you for your service, like, does that, how do you feel about that? Because I don't, it's something I feel weird saying it, but it's like, you know, thank you for your service. It's something that's just so often said. And you kind of go, you know, always just going, you know, thank you. But is that something veterans like to hear? Thank you for your service? Or does it really depend? It depends. Uh, some veterans are really against it. They don't like here and it makes them very uncomfortable yeah some veterans like oh it's no big deal i look at it like this there was a time in our country where the the average american wouldn't say that at all i'm speaking of the vietnam war and in fact the 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 sentiment was quite the opposite so i didn't live in that time and serve in that time so i can't imagine what that was like uh, one, one other veteran told me something that i think that i aspire to is when someone says that I say thank you for being the kind of American worth fighting for. Mm. And, and and that really kind of closes the loop, right? You know, um, they're not expecting that back a lot of times. And it makes me feel good about hearing that. So that's how I choose to do it. If you have the wherewithal to walk up to me and thank me, okay, fine, great. You know, I, I served here, there, nowhere, but I did do it. You know, I want to thank you for, for thinking of, of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think veterans are severely overlooked in this country. Like, and I'm, I'm sure you fall like the, um, the burn pit victims with like a John Stewart over this past yep. summer, how much all yep. the hoops yeah. he had to jump through when he's, you know, he's a comedian. That only, only happened because John Stewart is a man of prominence 
and a man with an audience and a following, and he kind of just badgered Congress time and time again to get people health care for the burn pits. So, you know, thank yous are all well and good, but, like, you know, benefits are better, which is something I would say. Well, not handouts, right? Benefits, handouts, you know, it's the – let's go back to Vietnam and Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. It took years for the government to finally admit that that Agent Orange that was being sprayed in those jungles – were causing not just problems with the guys who who served, but their children and sometimes grandchildren. So, you know, if you're going to put us in those situations knowing this stuff is bad, like the burn pits, then you got to, you know, be there to to fix it because those burn pit victims, you know, reading about their stories and meeting some of them are, are just, they're never going to be the same. Their, their quality of life will never be what it was it's the least we can do. It's the least we can do in this country to take care of those people. Yeah, you know, you'd think you'd think it would be the bare minimum, right? You know, you risk you risk it all for what? To be yeah. disrespected. To be disrespected. And it's just, it is it is sick. We're gonna get more into it and what you do in the VA and what that happens. And you know, it's not all doom and gloom. There is plenty of bright spots. Um, I mean, my my sister in law works with the VA and she has okay. stories of some of her veterans and she's a social worker, so she really kind of gets to the nitty gritty and helping them. Some of the really ones who really need the most help. So there's there's plenty to go around. But first off, just kind of introduce yourself. You know what you do. You kind of a little bit of your story. It's kind of you know introduction to the people who is Travis. Sure, sure. So, look, my name is Travis Partington. I, I did serve in the Marine Corps. I, I lived in different parts of the country before I came to Massachusetts. In the Marine Corps, I was a, a Hawk missile systems operator. So, it's a missile about as long as your car and uh, weighs about 1,500 pounds. And uh, we were set up to defend, uh, you know, air bases, naval bases, strategic targets, and, you know, firearm missiles at aircraft anywhere from 30, 60 miles away. Mm-hmm. I got out of the Marine Corps, I came to Massachusetts. Um, I got my, I, I got a couple jobs and then I got into technology and that's what I do now. I'm a dad and in my spare time, um, when I'm not doing podcasting or work or parenting or all the combined, I like to uh, compete in weightlifting, ride my motorcycle and shoot my bow. Love that. I love that you said your dad. Because at the end of the day, that is that is the most important. You know, that's why being a dad is the reason why I do everything I do. Because I want to be a dad. Um, so it's best. I, I love I love that you said like out of your your job, um, you mentioned being a father. And you know, motorcycles are cool. Bow hunting is really cool. Um, but let's 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 keep, let's keep it to the military. So I'm assuming right out of high school, joined the military. No, I didn't. Um, you know, got out of high school, kind of bounced around some jobs, and realized that you know I'm not going anywhere. Um, you know, I was, uh, parking cars for a car dealer in, in Louisiana, not going anywhere. And, you know, I did, it was kind of funny, you know, I had a, a fork in the road. I, I had, you know, worked at gain a scholarship for community college, you know, doing, uh, singing and voice work there. And then I'm like, well, that's, that's too easy. That's, you know, sitting in a college classroom. That's, that's hard. I'll join the Marine Corps. That could be easier. Right. I mean, <laughs> It's kind of funny. I, I I gave up an air conditioned classroom and and scholarship ride to join the Marine Corps, but I wanted to completely reboot my life. I didn't think I was going to do it where I was, and so that really kind of you know got me going on a different track in my life. Interesting, because most I think I feel like most people I talk to have ever joined the military. It's just you know right out of high school. I didn't know I didn't know what to do, and I needed some structure. So bam, 
Marines, Army, Navy, whatever. So is it is it more difficult? Like the older you are, is it more difficult to kind of break that barrier into to join the military? Was kind of the same thing. You just sign up, you go through go through the training and the tests and the boot camp, and you're good to go. All I can say is, you know, I went to boot camp when I was like 21, 22 years old. Okay. And, you know, a 17, 18 year old just has three years on you. They're, they're right out of high school. You know, they don't have any aches or pains. They can, you can punish them all day and night. They just don't care. And, and they just adapt real easy. You know, that they really grasped onto the military lifestyle. Whereas if you got a couple of years and some college courses underneath of you, you might be like, wait a minute, I'm not really buying everything I'm being told, but I got to do it anyway. So there is some differences in that. The good thing is, is a lot of us older, you know, military uh, service members and veterans kind of avoid a lot of the stupid mistakes our younger siblings, if you will, do. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, like, like showing up late or coming to work drunk, we, we kind of get around that and, you know, are spared some of the problems because of that. Well, it's different, right? Because I mean, you had you had you were twenty one. You had three years of real life experience under your belt. Whereas you know, a kid from high school, especially high school these days, it's, it's just different from high school when it was, you know, back in like the eighties or even where it's just like a high school diploma doesn't mean as much. Kids are just a little bit raised differently. You know, they got TikTok and social media, so they got different priorities. Whereas, like even like I feel like a twenty one year old now is like an eighteen year old back then. If that makes yeah. sense. Is this just yeah. mentally and is how we develop? Like, so, you know, I like to bash on college. Um, on this podcast sometimes, from the cost is and the wasted classes. But, you know, I learned more outside of the classroom in college. I learned more about being a man and being an individual and finding my identity in college through my friend group, through my uh, fraternity, through this internships, way more than I did in the classroom. So that kind of gave me that structure. And I feel like military also gives something that gives that for people. Um, it's even more so when you're 21 years old, bouncing off from job to job, as opposed to 18, bright-eyed out of college and doesn't know anything about anything. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, if you're, you know, 18 to 21, 22, 25, and you've kind of shifted around in life a little bit, and you want to belong to something bigger than yourself and feel like you have value mm. and, you know, be a part of something historic, the military, you know, has that option for you. And they'll assess what you can do and you can find all kinds of, of interesting jobs to do. And it's, it's not just the job, it's, it's, it is the fraternity of, of brotherhood. Uh, you know, we call it esprit de corps mm -hmm. that, that really sticks with you the rest of your life. I still have people from boot camp that, you know, every now and then I'll look up and, you know, people I served with 20 years later that, you know, we still say hello to each other. And it's just amazing. And people need that, right? I needed that. And I got that through a fraternity. Obviously, it's way different than the military. But I, I can relate to the act of brotherhood and the idea of, like, you know, these people are your family. But, you know, that could even that, – that, and you need that, especially on, like, the battlefield. And I can't imagine what that's like. But, you know, brothers in arms is a real thing. I've seen Band of Brothers. <laughs> it looks, it looks right, as legit right. as ever. But that can even be a cause of some of the problems once they get out because it's just like, well, where's all the trauma come from? Well, they're family, right? And you lose family in the worst way possible. So, like – it's almost like a double-edged sword because you need that. But then again, what you need can also be the hardest thing to overcome once you're on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you need them, you know, while you're serving, but also when you're outside the military, it's, mm -hmm. it's when you get out and, you know, someone you, you serve with, you know, passes away or has a problem or even a victory. Hey, I, I became a dad today, or, you know, I got this really cool job after all this work that, you can celebrate with that person or, or, you know, strive with that person the way you can't with anybody else. 
And I'm glad you started a podcast because I'm, I'm just going to assume here. But once you start that podcast, you, I'm assuming a lot of your audience is military members, right? Or former veterans, Marines, what have you. It creates that community. It creates that bond. It's just like it's a place where people can talk and explain and swap stories, bullshit, you know, have a virtual beer, whatever. So it gets, it's, it's very useful. Absolutely it was. So yeah. when, when Oscar Mike Radio came to being, right, uh, there was a couple things going on. I was going through a very bad time in my life personally, you know, nothing military related, but just extremely bad time in my life. And I felt really useless and cast away and had no purpose and, and really nobody in my corner. And, you know, you mentioned the Marine Corps League that, I, that I'm a member of, I'm a life member. And, you know, we would go around and do the, these rituals for veterans that had passed. And some of them were, you know, suicide. And, and you, you'd meet their family members and you'd get asked, well, you know, well, why is this happening? You know, how, how did he or she lose hope? And I had to really think about that because, you know, there were some times where I'm like, you know, hope is, is, is few and far between. It's, 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 it's a desert out here in the jungle, baby. I mean, you know, it's just a brutal time. And I, I got, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know what went on, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to do something. I don't, I didn't know what it was. It took me some time to figure it out, but you know, that's where the idea came from. You know, I, I, I call it Oscar Mike radio because Oscar Mike is, is military speak for on the move or on mission. And I wanted to be on the move for my fellow veterans and people serving the military right away. And more importantly, people like yourself who support us. Uh, that's forgotten a lot of times. So it started there and is morphed into something really amazing. Well, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad to hear that because it's like I've mentioned earlier, a lot of veterans do unfortunately commit suicide. And, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that place as, as a veteran. So what is, is it depends person to person, but what can drive a veteran is to get so low and deep into that spiral and, why is it so hard for them to one, seek help and two, once they seek it, even get it? Okay. We'll start with the first, the why, the why, the why, the heavy question. Yeah. We'll start with the why first. So a lot, a lot of times it's something happened in their military service that they couldn't process and they got out and they still can't process it. And it becomes overwhelming to, to deal with. The other thing is, is, you know, it, like in a lot of ca some cases you serve, nothing's wrong with you. You get out and you're not used to how it works in the civilian world. You know, I try to tell civilians, look, you know, I ate, slept, shat, you know, showered, ate, did everything with these group of men for, for years. I mean, there were no secrets. There were no, nothing hidden. I mean, you were going to be exposed in that ecosystem, right? And then you go away from that and you realize your civilian coworkers don't want to get close to you. You're not really supposed to, right? They, they don't want to hang out with you on the weekend or after work. Um, you know, work is a dog eat dog world where you've got to, you know, be willing to stab your coworker in the back to get ahead. It seems like, you know, yeah. and so it's the, it's, it's the exact opposite of what the military experience is. And so there's a lot of confusion there about, you know, oh my God, what do I do? The thing that really affects veterans that's not said enough is the aspect of divorce and custody uh, of, of children. Mm. You know, they either got divorced while they were in the military or got divorced afterwards. And, you know, they're told and, and 
you know, I tell people, look, you know, you, you ask why this guy's behaving this way because he went to probate court today and he found out real quick that the fact that he served in the army and the infantry and has his combat action ribbon was held against him because he might be a threat. He might be a danger. It really happens. And so all these things, you know, having to get out and get a job, you 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 know, get housing, get health care, all that stuff it can be overwhelming. So that's some of the drivers of it. Now, actually, actually, I want I do want to touch upon that real quick yeah. though, because like for like the probate court, like if someone has like severe PTSD, like as as awkward as it is to lose the lose their custody battle, at the same time, it's just like, well, like I get it, right? It's 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 a it's a tough it's a tough coin, but. If someone is is unstable, right? If they're waking up with night terrors and screaming and this, that, and the other, the things these people go through, that's that's not a suitable situation for a child. Now, granted, that military veteran needs help to be able to get their child and be with their child. They shouldn't be completely away from their child. But I, I can understand why a court can be like the the mother, right? The mother. They should be with the mother. And well, they should be. With, they can be with the mother. I have no problem with that. Yeah. But what they happens a lot be, of times? They have to be with both, and there is a way to be with both. But like, well, right, that's what I'm saying. But I do understand but, it's a very tough situation to be in. But but well, a lot of times, what happens though is you know, hey, you're not going to have access to your kids at all. Yeah, that's that's not okay. And, and that that's where the problem comes yeah. in. So to clarify that, yeah, that's not okay. You know, the the interest of the children should be, you know, good and safe. But you know, when a when a, when a person wants to see their children and they're told, hey, because you have PTSD and you have problems, you can't. Right. It, it's up for a lot of people. It is the final nail in the coffin. I mean, there there there's there's. It, it, it's a problem that, you know, I've dealt with before with guys calling me up for help. It, it, it hits home. It hits, it hits close to home. So that's why I, I said it that way. But of, of course, you know, I tell people, look, you know, if you're not acting safe, we need to get you help mm-hmm. before we can, you know, leave the kids alone, alone with you. But you shouldn't be denied access to your children ever. Absolutely. Absolutely not. And especially if, if you're going to be the system, meaning the government system to say, hey, we're making us so you can't keep your kids because you're a threat, well, then you're the government. You're the one making that sentence. You better do everything to make sure that that person can get the help they need so they can get their kids. So it's like the burden of proof goes to both sides a thousand percent. Um, but I can't even imagine being in that situation where at least you can't see your kids. And it's like, so I, I, I totally, yeah, I totally get it. It's that's fucking sucks. So it leads you to the last thing, like, you know, what can be done to help? Right. Why does the veteran get the help that's out there? Well, there's a couple of, uh, of things that are that go on. One, uh, they don't know what help is available to them. And two, uh, I can tell you this because I'm going through this with the VA right now with a, a different situation. Nothing mental. It's a physical thing is navigating the VA system at first can be very daunting. So, and the VA just changed. Um, they, they've done a couple things in the last five years. That I really like. First of all, they have an app. You can download the app, and if you are in a suicidal state or you know, you know, depressed state or a state where you need help, you can load the app up, hit the red button, and you get connected to a human being to start getting help. And the law is now is that if a veteran comes to a VA with a mental health crisis, they are supposed to help them regardless of discharge history or whatever, right? So that's there. So, so things are improving. Now, some people would say, you know, not fast enough, and, and you could argue that, but it's a, it's a 
big, huge uh, organization. The VA is actually the, the largest private single entity healthcare provider in the United States, believe it or not. I wow. mean, that, that is a I, fact. I, I did not know that. That's, yeah, actually, by, by, that's actually very good to hear. By budget and by number of patients served, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a huge monolithic organization where change takes forever, but they, they, they are trying. But I will say this, veterans, and you know, I'm one of them, you know, I learned real quickly, if you have an appointment, you got to go to it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you need a ride, you got to ask for a ride. Mm-hmm. If they tell you, hey, you know what, you need to do this, this, and this, and tell me what's going on, you've got to do that. And sometimes, you know, it, it can be like, oh, I don't want to go to that appointment. Ugh. You, you got to do it anyway. And, and one of the things that, that has really helped that along is with COVID, one of the really unintended benefits of COVID was people found out that, you know, okay, I don't want to go into this antiseptic office in some room somewhere and feel trapped and talk to somebody, mm-hmm. but he'll sit there, you know, sometimes with a joint and, you know, smoke his joint while he's talking to his healthcare or mental health care provider and do some real work. I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, but you know what, the fact that they can talk like that, whether it's just on their patio mm-hmm. in their car and the VA will meet you where you're at is what I'm trying to say. It's a really huge step forward with it, what it, 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 it creates an environment that's comfortable for them. Yes. Right. And if, if they're yes. in a comfortable environment, they'll be more likely to discuss about their problems. It's, it lets them be more responsible in their quest to get back to normal civilian life. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that that explains the point that I was trying to make earlier. Like, yeah, the burden is still on the veteran to get the help they need but they should be helped in every single step of the way from the people who are taking them away from the, from the rights they should still have. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the least we can do as Americans yeah, to absolutely. help those who serve. Absolutely. Yeah. So is, is the VA, the VA is, is it, it's a government program. It's a government entity. So it's like, it's a government enemy department ta- of veteran affairs, taxpayer funded. Yes. So your tax dollar has to be a lot of bureaucracy that gets in the way. Oh yes. So are, are there, are there private, private entities that like the VA that could, that can also help, or I guess no, other nonprofit, I guess nonprofits even something that's yeah, nonprofits too. But are, is there like a, a, a private fund that can kind of not cut the corners, but just rip off the red tape that bureaucracy comes that it comes with bureaucracy. Oh, wow. Um, so you, you have a couple of options here, right? You, you can have organizations like the VFW, the uh, American Legion and disabled American veterans, those orgs are, you know, private, semi-private orgs, nonprofit orgs that will advocate for the veteran on behalf of them to the VA or to another government entity. You have a lot of nonprofits. In my state, I think there's almost like 800 veteran-centered nonprofits in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So the, the point is, to your point, is there's a lot of non-VA help out there if you know where to look and ask for it which is why the, the on the veteran too is look, if you're told, Hey, I got this Facebook group of fellow veterans that we all get together. We'll, we'll join that group. If there's a way you can collaborate, you know, whether it's a, uh, I don't know, an archery event, a, a clay pottery event, a bowling event, go out and do those things and, and meet other veterans who are in your area who can tell you what to do and who to go talk to. So you, you got you got to take care of yourself too, but there are there are there are hundreds of of nonprofit organizations that will will either interface with the VA for you or provide their own sort of help. Good. Well, I think I think a healthy mix is good because I 
I don't want to poo-poo on the VA, but I do uh, I, I do poo-poo on government bureaucracy <laughs> every, well, every well, day if of I, the week. If I may, if I may, please, I, I, please. I just, so I, I got hurt really, really bad um, in, in 2021. And I got care from the VA post post uh, surgery. I, I blew out my quadricep tendon. It's actually what the ortho said. It's your old. I had an injury in the Marine Corps. He's like that injury finally broke for real. The the the, the physical therapy care I got from the VA was was light years better than what I've ever had from phys, uh, civilian PT. In civilian PT, they're like, okay, the insurance company says he gets eight, he gets 12 appointments. That's it. When he's done, he's done. And, and the VA system's like, hey, you know what? You're working real hard. We think another, you know, two months of intense work will really get you on the right track. And it, it was amazing. It was amazing how I was treated there. Uh, they did, they were nothing but but fantastic with me. So, you know, if, if you come there with a good attitude, do the work, you, good things are going to happen. Good. Well, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, when it, even when it comes to like vet veterans, right? We think of the, the people who need help. The VA. We think of people who served overseas, right? People who were in combat. Now, I believe you did not go overseas, correct? I did not go overseas. So you, no. You were you were stationed here in the states. Now, I would assume it's more people who go overseas have these issues. But do people who just serve in the states do they also have issues and? Like what? I guess what would the ratio be, and is it is it different circumstances for how people who stay overseas and how people who are overseas can get help? I don't know about ratios or numbers of of, of issues from you know stateside versus right. you know deployment. There there are plenty of things that can happen stateside. You, you know, I, I lost four fellow Marines while I I served, and, and you know I I didn't want to admit at the time, but some of those deaths had an effect on me. Those are people again that I I knew quite well and. You're sitting there as a you know 23 year old guy, you know, packing this Marine's truck up with belongings and inventory and everything. Realize you're never going to see him again. That that left an impression on me. There's there's things like that. There's uh, military sexual trauma that can happen, uh, which is a bad thing. Other things that can happen that can impact you when you when you serve in combat overseas. It's it's a different world for certain. And I think they're trying to get better at when you come back from a deployment, making sure that you're, you're right before they, you know, ship you back out. So if like you, you left, you left, left the Marines like a, 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 a deal, good amount of time ago, if you want to go back, if you want to be involved in the military again, could you, and how could you? Well, I couldn't, I'm too old. Explain that process. Like when you, when, when you get discharged, when you leave the military, what's that process like? And I guess like, what is, if you ever, like, so you couldn't go back period to do not, nothing, not a, not a thing. Right. Okay. So how does, how does, how does those guidelines work? And what's the process of leaving actually like? So take me through that. So, you know, you, you, you serve four years, you serve 20 years, mm -hmm. you, 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 you say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm out. If you're enlisted, you say I'm out. So you get to the end of your contract and you say, I'm going to separate about, about six to eight months out. They'll sit you down and say, what's going to happen. And you're like, okay, I'm out. And about six months before you get out, there's a, there's a series of things that happen to get you ready to discharge. You're still doing your job. You're still, you know, going to work. What they start having, you get your stuff packed up, your paperwork all done, all your gear returned and inventoried, your medical stuff, all that stuff's done, right? And then when you get out, if, if you're, you know, in 
physically in good shape and and no other issues, you'll be you'll be given what's called I think a, a reenlistment code. Mm. Well, I couldn't get one because I was hurt. That's why I was getting out. So you know I was deemed not fit to serve anymore, which was stunk, but that's the way it was. Also, um, the age comes into it. I think in the Marine Corps, I mean, once you're over the age of 35, you're not coming back in. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to get out for a couple of years, if you're like 24 and come back in the Marine Corps when you're like 26 or 27, as long as you can pass the physical readiness test, you know, everything else is fine and you're in physically good shape, they'll let you back in. So it's, it's, and also I was honorably discharged. You gotta be honorably discharged. I'm not going to take you back if you're other than honorable or a bad conduct discharge, right? So you gotta be honorably discharged. So you, you, you go through all that the last couple of weeks, you take your classes and, you know, understand how the transition works. They, they have your stuff packed up. And then literally the, the night before they hand me my paperwork saying you're, you'll be free and clear at, at, at you know, uh, it was at, I'm not, I'm not kidding you at zero four thirty you're now a civilian, not at 12 o'clock, not at nine o'clock in the morning, zero four thirty five, And at uh, four forty five, I was out the gate in Yuma. And that's four forty five in the morning. For people, yes. For people who don't know military time. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, military time is funny to me. It's just like, you know, you just, you just add or subtract 12, not even subtract 12. They don't add 12. You just subtract 12. That's how you know what me like 2,300 hours is 11 o'clock at night. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 Fifteen thirty is what three thirty? Yeah, math right? Yeah, three thirty. Three thirty morning. Yeah. So I might be a little confused about military time, but uh, that's a, that's a trick for you. They subtract twelve. Um, why Hawk missiles? Like out of all the things to do in the military and the Marines, how did you get into Hawk missiles? Because last week I had um, John Pulsifer on. He was a he worked on the Thunderbirds. He was an air he was an Air Force mechanic, right? So he his job was to just fix planes and tour the country with the Thunderbirds, which is the coolest thing ever. But it's okay. Like, and he came out of high school. So I'm like, okay, so you, you come out of high school, you join the Marines. Like, how do you go from boot camp to repairing, to repairing airplanes? We're going to ask you the same question. How do you go from boot camp to, you know what? Hawk missiles. That's for me. Let's do it. So I'm sure he did it. Almost everybody does it. You take the uh, ASVAB, yep. the standardized test before you, you know, when you're getting ready to enlist. And I took it and I scored high enough in the Marine Corps. They're like, we can do any job you want. Um, oh, I'm like, you know, damn. so I, I joined from uh, Shreveport, Bossier as an Air Force town. I liked all the airplanes and stuff. I said, I want to go into like aviation something. They're like, well, we got this, this track called aviation support. It's air traffic controller, cryogenics, uh, you, you know, navigation and maintenance, all that stuff. And I'm like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I want to be an air traffic. I, I made the score for air traffic controller. I'm like, this is awesome. So it's my branch of that. It was called the 7200 series of military occupational specialties. You know, That's the job fields that were available, available to me. So I go through boot camp. You know, uh, I got a lot of grief. All the non grunts get a lot of grief for not being grunts or infantry guys. And I get out of boot camp. I go to what's called Marine combat training. That's like for all non-infantry you go. Every Marine's a rifleman, Will. Mm -hmm. So you, you go to advanced rifleman training and then you get your job posting. And they say, you know, Partington, 7222 Hawk missile operator. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I didn't know what that was. So I go up to uh, uh, my captain and say, you know, what what is that? He's like, I don't know. 
I go to my master sergeant of, of, uh, over my, our, our company. He's like, oh yeah, you're going to Fort Bliss, Texas. It's a great duty station. I don't know what hockey is, but they'll teach you everything about it. And that was it. <laughs> Interesting. So like, how, how tight-lipped are people in the military? Because the fact that like, even like, you know, like a CEO captain didn't know what these things are, is that by design? Is that just, hey, well, there's so many things we got here. The Pentagon has a budget of trillions. We don't know. Well, so for that MOS, that's, this is the weird thing about Hawk. It's a really tight fraternity. Okay. Air defense, air defense artillery in the military is a really tight knit group, small group. And you get to understand, you know, we're defense job. And most everything in the military is offense, offense, offense. You don't really have a lot of defensive systems, you know, like, like this, you know, we, we in place around an airport, for example, like we did place around Logan airport and keep bad guys from bombing Logan airport, mm -hmm. um, for example, or Teterboro airport or, you know, right. So it's, it's small, it's small. And, and so you don't see a lot of this out there and, and, and that's where the problem came from. Now, Anything else like motor T, you know, admin, comm, supply, everybody knows what that is. But specialized aviation jobs are are like really small and tight knit. Cool. So you, what's what's the difference between because right when I to a layman like me, right, who doesn't know anything of the, of the sort, like when I hear the term it's for defensive style weapons, I go, well, you know, if I have a handgun, I can use it to defend my house, or I can use it to shoot up a mall. So, but it's the same okay. gun. So, like, when people say like defensive style weapons, like we're, we're giving defensive style weapons to Ukraine, what's the difference between defensive weapons and, I guess, offensive weapons? Because it's a weapon. Okay, it sure. Used, it can be used for the same thing. Is it is like defensive, like Logan Airport, for example, it'd be like towers, right? You put up a tower. That's defense because it doesn't go anywhere. It's stationary. So, like, how, what's the difference? Okay, what's the difference? So. In, in in air in defense in general, right? You're you're around. There's the bank. There's whatever is considered the the the, the thing you're going to protect, and you put systems around that to defend that point. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you know, if we're going to go attack something, we're going to go take it over. We're going to affect our impose our will on it. Those systems are designed to to assault, to attack, to you know. Um, affect, you know, damage on that, 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 that thing. So we can take it over. Whereas what, what we do is to keep planes from getting close enough to it, to fire missiles or launch bombs at it. That's, that's what air defense artillery is. And it's kind of funny, you know, 20 years later um, in Ukraine, all of a sudden, you know, my system. So Hawk, We'll back a little ways. Hawk's not used by the U.S. anymore. It, it was deprecated in, in the year 2000, but it's used all across the world still. Uh, and, and so they got a lot of Hawk units from Romania, other places to go to Ukraine and set to keep the Russians out. But they're defensive weapons. There's no real offensive capability because you have to set up the equipment, mm -hmm. wait for the aircraft to come near enough to fire at it, and then fire at the aircraft. Whereas like an artillery system or a battleship or like a, like a attack helicopter, those things are going out saying, Hey, here's a target 50 miles away, go destroy it. Or it's, it's more complicated than that. Right. But that's the, that's the main difference. It's the action attack versus defense. Okay. So, so it has a lot to do with like yeah, positioning and how it's used. 
Correct. Okay. Yeah, but like, but defensive weapon could still a certain defensive weapons could be used for us in offensive purposes. Oh, well, so. oh yeah. I mean, yeah. if we if we we can we can go we can point that missile at a, at a target yeah. ten miles away and fire a missile at it. It's it's going to be a bad day for that thing. You go point at my high school. <laughs> okay. All right. No more military talk. Let's talk about your podcast. Uh, please don't. Please no one bomb my high school. I liked my high school. For the most part. All right, Oscar Mike Radio. I mentioned, it's a great name for a podcast, and you're like, you sent me the notes. It's on the move or on a mission. I think that's very clever. You know, I, th- I thought Talking with Tarashik was a clever name, but I got to say Oscar Mike. It just rolls off the tongue. Oscar Mike and the radio. I, lo- I love the radio because, you know, podcasts, someone tells me, wait, what is a podcast? Well, it's, it's internet radio. In the most basic, simple form, it's internet radio, or it's a personally and professionally oriented discussion centered around select topics. That's what a podcast is. <laughs> Um, that's Will Tarashik original. You can use that one. Um, All right. So whose idea was it for you to start a podcast? I know you, you, you were always interested in radio. And you got a few jobs here. But who came to you and said, you know what, Travis? You need a podcast. And tell me why it was Keith Hayes. Um, I, I had the idea for the podcast. I okay. had the idea for the podcast. Awesome. Um, and what year, was, you know, what year was this? So I started thinking about the podcast in 2015. And, yeah. the, and the reason I thought about it was I was doing guest a hosting work with a program at WVBF AM 1530 in Taunton, Massachusetts with a, a show called South shore uh, news and views. And they liked having me on. I'm like, you know, this radio stuff is pretty cool. And you got to understand that I grew up, you know, my dad would listen to Garrison Keeler and a lot of, you know, Rush Limbaugh, all those guys on talk radio, talk radio was his thing. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. And my first real job as a kid was working for 98 rocks in Shreveport, Louisiana, doing surveys about rock music and country and, and a countryfied world down there. So that was, that was really interesting, but I loved it. I love the fact that, you know, someone's voice, you know, a hundred miles away, a thousand miles away could reach you in your car and your tractor and the gym and you could get something out of that. And, and I'm like, that was just always cool to me, but I never knew how to do it. And then I found out to, to have a terrestrial radio show was a minimum minimum of two thousand dollars a month where i was i'm like well i can't do that but this podcasting thing came up i started batting around how i would do it and try to figure out all the the things and you know about this time seven years ago almost let's just say the first week in march right seven years ago literally almost to the day there was this, someone gave me this flyer saying, Hey, there's this Dale Dorman media day at Massasoit community college. Mm-hmm. I know and they're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, and they're going to have this guy named Keith Hayes with Ken Diesenhoff, Ken Diesel of Hubazoo. Like, I don't know what Hubazoo is. I'll look at the website. I'm like, all right. And we're going to talk about podcasts. And I'm like, well, this college is only like three miles from my place. I got the time to take, I'm going to go and check this thing out and see what this guy thinks. And so I walk in this room and there's this, you know, big guy and, you know, his buddy Ken up there talking about podcasting, their show, the booth and drafting the circuits and how they did it and how podcasting was really going to be the next wave. And you could do it if you really wanted to. And I was hooked. Will, I was like, yes, this, this, this had to be a, a, providence a sign mm-hmm. the supreme commandant the big dude upstairs saying hey i, I put it in front of you you got to pick this up and take it and i'm like it gave you purpose right right mm-hmm. so i said hey you know keith i'm, I'm travis Parrington, blah 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 blah. i'm a marine corps veteran i want to do this podcast and keith looked at me for a good like 10 seconds he's like okay i think this could work 
things could work. Okay. So hit me up afterwards and we'll talk. And, and, you know, early May, he meets me and says, look, you got to do all these things to get your show ready. I'm like, for, for real? He's like, yeah. So I made a list. I'm a big Microsoft OneNote guy. I got a list going. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm, and then it, over the next six weeks, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting ready to launch this thing. And in July, I think it was July 16th is when I first recorded Oscar Mike Radio. It got going. But Keith started guiding me through the, the, the content creation process, right? What to do and what not to do. Because, look, Will, my first 30 shows absolutely stunk. You know what? I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because this, this is a big lesson for podcasters to learn. Um, they're like, my first X episodes are terrible. They're supposed to be. My first 10, 15, 20, 50 episodes are the worst. I didn't start getting, I'm glad you, you and the notes you sent over. It's on episode 120 that it really yeah. clicked for you. It's probably on the same for me. It was on episode 80, 90, 100, where, you know, I got in the flow of things. I got in the rhythm of things. I got better equipment. So like my first 50 episodes, give or take. Well, first off, um, I had a host last 10 episodes. So actually next week, we're recording this on February 9th. The next week is my eight-year anniversary in podcasting. Um, the Kings, thank you. I know, pat in the back. Uh, the Kings of the Rings podcast, my wrestling podcast. My first host made it like nine episodes, and I was kind of lost. I almost quit because I couldn't. I can't do solo shows. And then my buddy Dave saved the podcast. But you know, I'm in college. I'm broke. I had one mic because I got a kit off Amazon for ninety nine dollars in 2015, and we did podcasts passing one mic back and forth for a long, a long time. And then when we brought in my buddy Ricky. He's still my co-host to this day, and around episode 36, I had one mic, and Ricky had another mic because he was an MC. I had my mic because I was the first mic, and they passed the mic back and forth between the two of them. So it wasn't until episode 100 where we got three microphones, and then it started getting good, and then it started picking up. But those first 100 episodes are absolutely unlistenable, and for podcasters out there, that's the point. It's growth. It takes a long time to get good at this. It takes a long time to find your voice. And you, Travis, you are a very well-spoken, you seem like a very intelligent man. I'm surprised it took you 120 episodes, but I'm glad well, you did find your footing. So what was what, what was the biggest problem? Like, What did you not like about the first 120? What was your biggest struggle? Well, it, it, the first 30 were the sucked, and then the next, uh, I was like you. I didn't have good technology. Nothing really changed until about episode 70, 70 or 80 when I got my Zoom H6 and then life got a lot easier. And then uh, I think around like like 87, 90, I interviewed, she's a, a was a DJ for WAF up here, Mistress Carrie, um, big veteran support. She came on my show and really kind of encouraged me to stick at it. And it, it wasn't that 120 is where it kind of clicked for me in the fact that I was really getting frustrated that I, I wasn't getting the lessons and the downloads. And I was really focused on downloads, 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 because I would talk to the podcasters and it's like, Oh, you only got like, you know, a hundred listeners or a hundred followers on Facebook. I don't want to deal with you. I'm like, what am I, what in the world am I doing wrong? And 120, 117 is where I talked to this, this army national guard veteran. He's a contractor. His name's Steve Kimball. And I tell people all the time, you know, we do the show with my Zoom and Dunkin' Donuts, which he's like, dude, that was weird. But he's like, okay, you don't have a studio. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, did you like the experience? What do you think? He's like, you know, I, I, I kind of dug it. He said, you know, I don't know much. I don't know anything about this podcasting stuff, Travis. I don't. But he's like, you know what? I am a business owner. 
He's like, if you can take this podcasting stuff and add value to the topic or guest, you're, you're, you're not going to have any problems. You'll be fine. And, and I got to tell you, honestly, Will, that's when I'm like, whoa. And that was right around the time, it was, you know, like like five years ago, five and a half years ago, where Gary V was really hitting his stride. Mm-hmm. So between that and Gary V, I'm like, whoa, let's not worry about the number of downloads I'm getting. And instead, what I started doing was focusing on the value I could add to the person or topic in front of me. I really worked on making the experience about them. And man, when I did that, everything changed. It didn't matter how tired I was or what I had going on at work or with kids or whatever. The The show became just a really purpose-driven, powerful thing for me. Well, when you say add value, do you, who, whom do you mean? Do you mean to the audience or do you mean to the person you're talking to, the guest? Both. Both? Both. See, well, that, so, 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 no, continue. Go ahead. So, so I, 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 if I want the guest to feel like, wow, spending this time with Travis, I got something out of it because he asked me a facet of what I'm doing, whether you're a business artist or a nonprofit, like he got some nugget out of me that really made me think about what I'm doing. And I was able to tell somebody about that and they got, they got value of it for the guest. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm taking my time. I'm listening to Travis okay, this person's story resonates with me and I'm better for taking that time and doing it. To me, it's all about the number one. Well, interesting. Here's, here's a curveball for you. So you're a guest on this podcast, right? You've been guests on other podcasts. Do you have that same yeah. mentality when you guest on someone else's podcast? Well, I, tr- I try to, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, if I'm a guest on a podcast, I try to, you know, show up, you know, ready to talk with you. Uh, understand what your audience is and try to give you something that you can use to benefit other people. That's the least I can do it because I feel that we are peers in, in this craft. You've honed your craft, your way. I've done it my way. The least I can do as a guest is show up and and be there for real. And you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm not just doing this to mark time or get my name out there. I want to have a conversation with you that at tonight or tomorrow when I'm thinking about stuff like, you know, I, I had a good time on Will's show and I hope he felt the same way. It is, it is a very unique experience coming on this show because I like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? I listen to a few of the podcasts you were, you were on, you know, I, I do that just to see what they talk about and just make it, on, I don't overlap too much. And like with all the notes you sent me, I was shocked that they would only talk to you for like 30 minutes, you know, and people tell me all the time that, you know, I do an hour podcast, that's too long. And I just go, I don't care. Like because I need like I need the value, right? Like about many times in these podcasts, the most person gets the most value is me, which is a little weird to say. Um, but I, you know, I podcast for personal growth. That's one of the things my philosophy is about podcasting. If you are a podcast, you should podcast for personal growth. But then it comes to the question of okay, well, where can I add value? Well, my value to you or my value to the listener um, is to hopefully inspire you to start a podcast. Right? You already have a podcast. So that's one thing. But the value to you is that. Well, content is value, right? Having a podcast, having content is valuable. So if you are a business owner or you are just an individual, a podcaster, let's say, you know, I'm going to give you all of the social copies of stuff I cut. You know, I can tell from this podcast, I'm going to have about 10 clips. I'm going to probably have about 20, 25 shorts with social copy. I'm going to give you all of them. I can give you a doc with Dropbox links and social copy. You can use them. You cannot use them. You know, that value can be determined by you, but... To me, it's just like, I'm giving you all this free stuff. Use it how you see fit. If you don't see value in it, you know, that's on you. 
but I see value in it, and people I have worked with see plenty of value in it. So I'm glad you marked up that value point because value can be shaken and formed in many different ways. You know, I don't know how my audience sees value in this. I hope they do, but that's that's tough to say. You know, I, 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 get, I get plenty, I get decent amount of comments. A lot of them are making fun of me. Like one guy the other day was just like, I think this guy had a stroke. He talks so fast. And I go, I kind of laughed it off. I go, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I do talk really fast. But then there was another guy who just said, you man, like, I love this advice you gave on like an, an intro, how to do it, how to do an intro. He's like, this, this is gonna be great for me. I started a podcast. And that has way more weight than any of the negative comments ever. Well, right, right. There's always going to be negative Nancys or Debbie Downers out there. Yeah, and, I laugh it off. It doesn't bother me. Well, I'm like, okay, I don't care. It's it's, it's the whole Theodore Roosevelt thing. You you can sit there and criticize me if you want. I'm going to keep you know carrying my big stick, you know, proverbially right, or maybe for real. But you know, if if I'm doing this for the right purpose, and my purpose is to make that difference in one person's life, then you can't go wrong in my view. Mm-hmm. So you you specifically target well talk to veterans like only veterans. I talk to veterans, active duty people, and then I talk to a lot of civilians, believe it or not, who are trying to advocate for and support military and veterans. You know, and what they do. You know, you're you're a civilian business owner, and you want to make sure that people know that your business is you know friendly and hospitable to veteran uh, employees. I'll have you on my show. I'll talk to you. Right. Maybe you're, maybe you're, a, 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 you know, you've got a state run program or a city program and you want, you know, veterans to know that, Hey, when they move to your town, they can take advantage of this program. I'll have you on. Right. Absolutely. Well, one thing we're trying to do here at Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, this is a big goal of mine, um, when working with nonprofits, and this can be specific for veterans or any nonprofit out there. Where like we have, so we currently have a GoFundMe set up. This just for donations, but specifically used to help nonprofits fund a podcast. Like if you know, if we get X amount donated, we can give away a free podcast and our services for free to a nonprofit of our choice. Like that's that's like that's something that like I'm I'm begging to do. It's just a matter of having the capital to do it. Um, but once that happens, you know, I'll keep you in a loop. That once we can actually do that, I'm sure you'd have plenty of nonprofits or veteran f- foundations that I could work with. Um, Absolutely. So that is something we're trying to do with a, a plenty, plenty of nonprofits where we would just fundraise funds to give nonprofits free services. And that's pretty much awesome. That's, Man, that's awesome. Much, that's, that's a really good. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, that's actually that's actually Jared's idea. Who's our CEO? It's just, it was a, it's a it's a great fundraising tool, and it's just you know I I believe in podcasting. Podcasting is my life. It is my passion. Um, that's one thing people always tell me. It's like, well, sometimes you don't make sense, but goddamn, you're passionate. And I'll listen to I'll listen to you talk. So that's the biggest compliment I can get is that I'm passionate because it's like, well, I don't know how to do anything else. So, but actually, for you, I think a good person for you to talk to would be relatives of veterans, right? Like, if you could get the ex-wife on, I think that would be an interesting conversation to have because I mean, listen, sometimes, yeah, they're women, women who uh, just do, they do the veteran dirty, right? But sometimes yeah. they actually have legitimate story and it's not easy for them either. And they're, they're a voice that can sometimes get drowned out or even like the kids of veterans, right? How tough that is. I've done that a couple of times with uh, people, you know, the, the, the wife will get along with me and talk with me and it's, it's really insightful, right? Because you, you don't get to talk to the kids that often. You don't get to talk mm-hmm. to the wife that often. And, you know, okay. So, 
it would be easier for you to have married, you know, the insurance salesman down the road. Why'd you marry this person and, and go through all this stuff? And she talks about why she, you know, values what her husband does and why she's so proud of him and why she's given up all what she's given up with her family time, friends and other things to, to be, to be that spouse. It's, it's a really uh, powerful story to tell. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad people like you exist because you are a veteran, right? You understand, you know, I can put myself out there and say, Hey, I want to talk to veterans, but I never served, you know, I have my own traumas, but that's just, that's just a cakewalk compared to the stories they would tell me. It's like, yeah, I would do it. I'd listen. I would talk. I would, I would converse. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't think I'm the right person to talk to these people. Cause it's like, well, who am I? Right. As opposed to you and you're, you're a veteran, right? You've been through it. You have your own traumas. That's more relatable to them. So if I ever get someone, I'm going to pass them your way. <laughs> well, but you know, don't sell yourself short either because yeah. you, you know, I, I keep telling people like I, I've talked to a lot of civilians in the last couple of years and I'm like, you, you know, you're all the reason that a lot of us serve, you know, if you understand some of the things that veterans are going through and you have a, a cause a business, uh, you know, something you want to offer veterans, you're going to have an inside scoop on how that all works. So, you know, we need to work with you all like, like, you know, we hope you work with us. So I think there is, you know, room for everybody to help each other out. I mean, it's all about perspective, right? Okay. One thing I love about this podcast, talking to a bunch of different people, like, you know, this this week I'm talking to you. Last week I speak to another military veteran. Week before that I was an entrepreneur. You know, I was speaking to people on economy. I've seen people about crypto. Uh, next week, what I got on, I don't remember, but I got to look at my calendar. It might be, actually, it might be my cousin. I'm talking about my cousin and godmother's coming on in a few weeks. So it's not friends and family. So okay. I, I like to talk to a bunch of different people because it gives me a wider perspective. And it's just, that is, that is the biggest takeaway from podcasting is that I get valuable perspective that I use in everyday life. And it makes me a better communicator. You know, I communicate with my parents better, communicate with my girlfriend better, communicate with my boss better. Um, I, I, it makes me not afraid to ask questions because people, it's surprising how many, how people are afraid to ask questions. It's basic questions about life in general. Where it's me, it's like, I'm just going to walk up and ask the cash register what their social security number is, right? And see what happens. You never know. <laughs> but like, what's, what's been the biggest benefit for you and your podcasting? Because for me, it's just being more comfortable conversing with people and gaining perspective. I think it's, I think it's that, honestly. But, you know, to go back to your thing about questions, I think it's, I think it's a, a sense of curiosity. Yeah. You, you know, and to get philosophical for you in a second, I, I, I tell people, I'm like, look, you know, don't be afraid to ask the question. Well, you know, like, well, you know, Socrates and Herodotus said, if the, if the only good is knowledge and the only evil is ignorance, then, well, wouldn't you say the question, the question, the question is the most powerful tool, dare I say, weapon we have. And, you know, you can have that sense of, in, in, you know, curiosity and wonder but sometimes you need to ask the question to really find out what's going on. And that's what I think podcasting has, has done for me more than anything else. It's given me the, the ability to look at something and then maybe pick the less obvious thing to talk about. Right. Right. No, I, a thousand percent, you know, and Socrates also said, you know, the only thing I know is I know absolutely nothing. Right. I, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know anything, man. 
<laughs> Man, me too. I'm just, I'm just a guy behind a microphone. Right. And we're just going to keep doing it forever because, you know, podcasting is also a bond. It's also a brotherhood. Right. I, I, have, I have a podcast playlist called the Friends and Family Playlist. Now, that could also be called the Reoccurring Guest Playlist because anytime I have a podcast guest, they immediately become part of my friends and family. Um, so, like, this guy I used to work with, a guy by the name of Alan, um, we talked about baseball, we talked about economy, you know, he introduced me to another guy named Mike who's in fintech. So I had him on, we talked about fintech, talked about a little baseball. I'm going to try to have the two of them on at the end of March to do a baseball preview because we're all big baseball fans. You know, the two of them have been on my podcast before. They are now my friends. They're going to be on that friends and family playlist with my cousin, actually three of my cousins, um, and other reoccurring guests. So the very first guest on this podcast, Phil Rick Obono, you know, he was a reoccurring guest. He came back on like a few months ago to talk about um, just, you know, what he's been like. He moved back from the States into the States. So we just caught up, and he's another friend. I, when I was, I was out in Las Vegas um, last month in January for work, and he lives out there. So I hit him up. I was like, hey, Phil, we've never met before in person. Let's go grab a beer. Right? We became friends of a podcasting. It's crazy. Like, have you ever, have you ever met someone? Like, obviously, I'm not saying, like, um, someone you didn't know before. Did you ever meet them through podcasting in real life? Um, kind of different. So, if I may. Please. Uh, July, uh, September 2016, Oscar Mike Radio was, like, a month and a half uh, old. I went to the the podcasting uh, research PRX in Cambridge, Mass, um, for a meetup, and I was green. I was new. No one cared that you know all of the sports and arts podcasters were there. Military guy, no, no, no. One guy, uh, you know, introduced himself to me. His name is Kip Clark. He has a podcast, Stride and Sonner, and we have formed a friendship that is really unique and special that even to this day is just like you said, it's a brotherhood. Uh, we have a craft that we work on. I've learned so much from him and it's just, so I, so no to your question, but yes, I understand what you're talking about. All right. Fair enough. Well, um, if I remember back in Massachusetts, it's me, you and Keith can go, I'll, I'll go grab a beer. Cause I've actually not met Keith Hayes in person, but Keith, thank you very much for introducing me to Travis. This podcast has been phenomenal. He was everything and more you said he would be, but before we go, Oh boy, Travis, the last question always goes to the guest. It's the gimmick I like to have on this podcast. So if there's anything you want to ask me, now is the chance. If you, I, I like to, I like to throw that on you. So if you got nothing, you can always plead the fifth. Okay. I got, I got one Please. for you. Will. When you listen to a podcast, what 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 at what point does it be like? Okay, I really like and enjoy this, or I'm like, ugh, I just wasted 15 minutes of my time. When when does that happen for you, and how do you decide what's a good podcast versus something that needs some work or it's just not good at all? That that is a question I've never been asked before, and honestly, I've never thought about it. But that's a great question. Well, if it's ugh, I can tell immediately. I can yeah. tell within the first five minutes, I can just go, yuck. Whether it's that this doesn't sound good or the guest is just boring or that it's not, they're not interested. Like, you can, you can, you can tell a bad host, like, pretty immediately. So that's, okay. that's pretty easy. I can turn a podcast on and off. But honestly, as a podcaster, I have my podcasts I listen to frequently. Um, and a lot of them aren't well-known. A lot of them are pretty small, other than Joe Rogan, who's the biggest in the world. Um, but what makes me know I, you know what it is? I, tr I hear their voice, and I try and picture what they look like. 
if I can if I can listen to their voice and I go, what does this person look like? And I think like try to think, you know, what kind of hair they have? They wear glasses. They have a beard, right? That's when I'm like actually invested in a podcast because I I made a personal connection with that podcast with that host. Like there was there was a wrestling podcast I used to listen to by the name of Steel Cage, um, back in 2017 18. And there was a guest, like a, a, a panelist they had on. And if he was on the podcast, I would never miss it. But if he wasn't, you know, I could get 15 minutes in and go, oh, he's not here. This is boring. Let me get out of here. And then he broke off and started his own podcast. I followed him to the new podcast and left Steel Cage. Right? And he still podcasts here and there and whatever. So what, what the key to liking a podcast for me is the host. I need to connect with the host. Like, you can have great guests. The guests can be great. But if the host is boring, because they're the staple to show. Like, you know, you, yeah. you can say, you know, Rogan's great, but his guests are better, which is true. But it's his show. I connect with him more than his guests because he's there more. So gotcha. me as a host, I'm very bombastic. I can be very loud. I can be a little annoying. But someone like you, you're a little more quiet and reserved. If you notice, I try, kind of try, and I try to tone it down a little bit when I ask my questions. No. I'll be all over the place and loud. Whereas some of my other podcasts. So I do that to try and you know, get on your level. So that's a great question. Like what makes me fall in love with a podcast? It's, it's the host. I try and picture what they look like. And, you know, it's always something I'm interested in. If it's wrestling, if it's movies, if it's, you know, any of the above. But it's very, it's very hard for me to listen to a new podcast because yeah. my time is valuable and I take listening to podcasts very seriously. Um, so if you want to try and squeeze into my schedule, it's, it's very, very tough. But that's, 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 that's just me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anything else before we get out of here? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, it's, it's very enlightening and illuminating that, you know, we have our styles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very calm and cool because I want you to kind of relax and kind of get into, you know, a groove where you just kind of open up to me. I didn't mind the fact that you were, you know, high energy, you know, I'm like, this is great. You know, you've had those guests, right? You, that I don't, know, maybe you haven't, but some of those times you get someone, you got to like pull their teeth to get anything out of them at all. And they're just not going to, it's not because they're trying to be difficult. It's just not in their nature. Yeah. Once the microphone and the camera's on, it's like, yeah, and then yeah. now I turn the microphone and camera off and it's like, Oh yeah, whew, this is over with. This is great. I'm like, where was that 15 minutes ago? I've, I've had a few of those. And in the beginning, I go, uh-oh, this is going to be a bumpy ride. But towards the end of it, for some, for some reason, I get them in a groove, and then they're just rocking and rolling. So maybe that's, test, a, maybe that's a test to me. Again, pat myself on the back. But, uh, Travis, that's all the time we got. I know you got to be out of here in about five American minutes. So anything you want to plug, anything you want to share, share your podcast. I know you just filled a few books um, and contributing, Arthur. Anything you want to plug, my friend, the floor is yours. Oh, real quick then. So, hey, if you are looking for podcast advice, uh, hit up my man Keith Hayes of Sinister One Productions. He got me going. A lot of this that you see here, all the visual elements are, are all him. And thank you, Keith. Um, just thank you to all my supporters and listeners who have, you know, hung with me for almost seven years now. Thank you so much. And then as far as the books go, yeah, I do write. I do write. So if you check out my page, you'll see some projects I committed to. And then um, at the end of the day, it's it's all about the number one. Uh, I, I, I want to end. Whenever this ends, I want to know that I made a difference in one person's life, whether that's yours or somebody else's. And last but not least, Will, thank you for having me on. This I've had a fantastic time, and you really kind of stretched me a little bit and made me think. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. 
then my job is done. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the Talking with Tarashuk podcast. My name is Will Tarashuk. That is T as in Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. All of my shenanigans can be found at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. All the podcasts can be found anywhere and everywhere podcasts can be found. If you want to be a guest like Travis Keith, I'm looking at you, man. You're going to come back on this podcast, I promise you. Uh, we're going to schedule. Once this airs, going to message you, say, hey, it aired. Let's schedule. You can email me at will at APSpodcast.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. And let me know why you want to be on a podcast. Can I send you the notes uh, Travis sent me and that tell you to one up them? Good luck. Um, also, in Biggest Podcast Solutions has our GoFundMes where we are trying to fundraise. You know, this podcast takes a lot to run. I do it all by myself. Anything, tips are appreciated or just to support the business as we are a podcast startup looking to grow. All of our services can be found at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Editing, distribution of your podcast, marketing, all that fun stuff podcast companies do and more because it's founded by me and I'm a personality. But I'll be back next week speaking to – actually, let me look it up. Who am I talking to next week? Next week, I am talking to my cousin Angela. I was right, my cousin and my godmother. So fun family stories. You know, she's been around since I was born. So we're going to talk about some embarrassing stories from when I was a kid. So stay tuned to that. We'll be back. We'll be there. But until then, y'all take care.